This is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about racism in education. My name is Dr. Chadrick James Galloway. And today I am going to talk about um, the Crown Act in the state of Texas, as well as a student that goes by the name of Daryl George, a a black student with um, some people call them locks, some people call them dreads, dreadlocks. Uh, there's different opinions on the terminology to be used to, for to, to name them. Um, but uh, I, I'll say locks, right? His, his hair. And so the issue of uh, with Daryl George that he has been dealing with experiencing uh, going through issues of, of trauma, uh, racial trauma, I would say since, early or I guess it would be August of of 2024 and so Daryl George has locks uh and in his hair uh, if anyone looks up a picture of him you'll see he usually wears his hair what we would call uh styled right which means that he has it tied back or he has it braided back uh, into like a updo, right? Basically, I have locks. I have let mine hang down on top of my shoulders. Uh, however, for Daryl George, since he attends uh, a high school within Barbers Hill ISD, uh, which is a suburb of Houston, he is unable to wear his hair like I would wear my hair. Again, which my hair is touching my shoulders, uh, uh, essentially, right? And the reason why he can't wear his hair that way is because of the school district's very anti-black, very white supremacist laden hair policy. And in that hair policy, it states that essentially that students aren't able to wear hair that is uh, that went that when let down. Um, touches like the top of their shoulders or, or goes, you know, beneath their earlobes, right? And so what essentially that means and essentially what that does for students or people like Daryl George is it forces them to wear their hair in a very uh, conformed, whitewashed way. And because he wouldn't really be able to have locks, right? Locks, locks is a, a style of, of, of a hair care process within the, uh, within the, the black community. Um, and so he wouldn't essentially uh, be able to wear his hair the way that it grows out of his head. And so that's a problem. That's a big deal. It is uh, really relevant and important to note that Barbers Hill ISD faced issues a couple years ago with two other black boy um, young men, students or young teenagers, uh, DeAndre Arnold and Caden Bradford, who were cousins, who were Rastafarian, uh, and they too also face disciplinary actions of being suspended from school, not being able to attend prom in the case of DeAndre uh, Arnold because of uh, their hair. And again, that is a problem. The reason why that is a problem is because it forces 
in this case, black boys into a very peculiar box of what is appropriate to look like. And it does not allow for any of the cultural significance that has to do with black hair uh, to be actualized in the regular everyday environment. To be clear, this is racism. This is anti-blackness. People tend to have this misconception that like in order to be racist or for something to be racist, there needs to be a KKK hood or a swastika or a noose or something that is really, really egregious. And that's not necessarily the case because this is an explicit targeting of black hair. And of course, this is not the first case that has happened, particularly within this school district. Regardless of the fact that Daryl George ties his hairs up, that it's pulled back into a, a, a state to where it's not touching his collar. It's not below his ears. It doesn't violate the lymph policy. However, because his hair is pulled up and not free flowing naturally, however the school district might want to describe it, he is unable to wear that hair. Now, where it gets interesting when we talk about how racism is endemic or racism is ordinary or racism is permanent or racism is embedded within the systems and structures of our society, of our legal system, of our education system, of our healthcare system, of our economy, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting about this is when we look at Barbers Hill ISD, it's a predominantly white school district. There are not a lot of black kids that go there. It's also a recent, a, a decently affluent suburb of Houston. I would be very surprised um, if someone somewhere didn't correlate the manifestation of Barbers Hill ISD to, to white flight. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if there wasn't some sort of um, history within that particular school district and other suburbs. It's a, it's a common uh, incident that, that happened uh, when you talk about the urbanization of the United States, when you talk about where black people shifted and, and, and what uh, places they tried to or see, see, sought, excuse me, sought to move into. But one of the things to consider here is the harm that it's doing to this young man who simply should be able to go to class. We're talking about hair as a distraction. We're talking about a student who has not been able to sit in his classroom, classrooms, sit in a classroom since October 31st. Because the school district has decided on an anti-black policy. And what they have done is try to showcase the policy as American or that it that that it's good to conform to American values and principles. And again, you know, there's a real big question here about well, what does it mean to be American? What does it mean to be what does it mean to conform? And who is being asked 
to do that because in a lot of these black hair care policies um, and these issues that have happened, there are incidents where even at the same school, white students are not being held to the same standard. Number of incidences where that has uh, happened. So Greg Poole is the superintendent of Barbers Hill ISD. And they put out a paid advertisement a couple weeks ago, a couple, well, about a month and a half ago in January. Because they didn't think the Houston Chronicle would uh, represent them the way they wanted to be represented. And so they took out a statement and, and in that statement, in that paid advertisement, they state that the student educational needs comes first. And in that they use a native indigenous proverb and which is problematic for other reasons, right? Like using um, indigenous people as a tool or as a prop for their own needs or their, for their own good. Right. Um, but in the actual uh, paid advertisement, the superintendent Greg Poole notes how, hey, West Point and Annapolis, the military academies in the United States, you know, over in Colorado Springs, they maintain a very rigorous expectation of dress. That being an American requires conformity. And so, it, and of course, he goes on to say that you know, even though Barbers Hill has a very small percentage of African-American students, that it has a very progressive history. But this doesn't really seem that progressive now, does it, Mr. Greg Poole? He goes on to use black people as a prop by stating we had African-American representation on our school board in the 1970s. What's funny about this is that school desegregation passed in 1954, right? The Supreme Court noted that 1954 Brown v. Board of Education. So 1970, oh my goodness, almost 20 years later, we had a black person on our school board. We are so progressive. Look at us. Let's pat us wonderful white people, us wonderful Southern white people on the back for finally having a black school board member almost 20 years after we were told by the highest court in the land to integrate our schools. Again, using black people as a prop. Notes that they have a uh, a black Air Force officer um, who also went to Barber Barber Hill uh, High Schools um, and, and was very instrumental in you know the the current the building of the current uh, dress code. And that that person's also on the school board, right? And so for the white people out here there who may or may not be listening to this, I don't, I mean, whoever is listening to this, right? Like if you have to use black people, native indigenous people, which has been done in this, in this brief ad twice to show that you're not racist or show that you're not upholding white supremacy or to show that you're probably not doing something wrong, you're probably doing something wrong. You're probably doing something anti-black. You're probably doing something that's rooted in white supremacy. You're probably doing something that you shouldn't do. This is very quintessential. I have a black friend. This is very quintessential 
that one time when I voted for Obama. Oh, wait, excuse me. That the, the two times I voted for Obama. I'm not racist. That's what this is giving. The I once dated a black person. That's what this is giving. That's what this is displaying, right? That we've had these black school board members that we currently have one. And of course, he's from the military, which it was interesting because there's another military example that came previously. But in this military example, we don't talk any whatsoever about how the military has rampant issues with anti-blackness, racism, white supremacy, sexism, rampant issues within the military industrial complex itself. Right. That is excluded from Mr. Greg Poole's statement. Which shouldn't hold any water whatsoever. One of the pieces here that is frustrating, and again, why we talk about racism being permanent and it being endemic and it being within our systems and our structures is that we have a school board um, that wanted to implement this rule. We have a school that's implementing this rule. And so they feel they have the justification. And when, you know, the parents and uh, and Daryl George himself say, okay, we're going to take this issue to court. The legal system now gets involved because that's where we have been told that's where justice happens when people have been wronged. But again, justice for whom? It is not always justice for the people that are the most marginalized, racially marginalized in this country or racially marginalized of a particular issue. And so what it looks like now is a judge saying, you know what? Y'all aren't discriminating against him because in the Crown Act, it states that, well, we can't discriminate against natural hair as long as that natural hair is shorter than two inches. And what's crazy about that to me, two inches, is that that doesn't mean that like, you can't have any type of hair other than a buzz cut. You can't have a mini fro, an afro, which I mean, if you really want to get into the weeds here and the history of black uh, hair care issues within education after Brown v. Board happened, when school desegregation happened, there were a lot of men, women, black boys, girls, teenagers, whatever you want to call it, that face hair care discrimination for wearing their afros, for having a different type of hair than what comes out of white people's head, because our hair is very, very different. This is not the same. A couple of weeks ago, I had a white man come up to me in Sam's Club with a uh, biracial daughter, um, black and white biracial daughter, uh, granddaughter, excuse me. And he was like, hey, y'all hair is different. The hair is different. It is not the same. I need help. I needed help to figure out this black hair care thing because I don't know what's going on. It's fundamentally different. So when people like Greg Poole say we need to conform, conform to what? Conform to what? Because our hair is not the same. The only way to get our hair to be the same 
is to chemically process it, which, by the way, a number of studies have recently came out to showcase how chemically straightening your hair with relaxers, it has been detrimental and harmful to the health of black women because of the cancerous uh, chemicals that are within hair relaxers. So conform to what? Is a question that needs to be asked. And so when we talk about, again, this issue of racism and its pervasiveness, we cannot depend on the, and I say we, I'm just talking about black people, people who are against racism, people who are for anti-racism, whether it's white folks, whether it's brown folks, whether it's Asian folks, whether it's indigenous folks, if y'all on the same side as, 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 you know, I would say the side of right or the side of social and racial justice, our freedom is not and will not come within the courts because here we have a judge who has a state judge who has said hey his hair is longer than two inches we can discriminate legally against him and so I, I, I kind of waited to talk about this issue because um, it's frustrating. We're obviously living in the state of Texas, dealing with the state of Texas. I've heard stories and issues that black students have faced here. I have a black son myself. Um, and of course, like I wear locks, my spouse wears locks, right? Like I'm not hiding my blackness for anyone. I shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to be who I am. And my hair is not what causes the distraction. Maybe it's the white supremacist mindset. The white supremacist policies that say you black person must conform and be as close to whiteness as possible. And so I'll continue thinking about this and reflecting on this and 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 figuring out my own path and direction of how I want to show up in predominantly white spaces, because I know they're uncomfortable when they see a six foot, six foot one, you know, 300 pound black man walk in the room with locks and a Kente cloth shirt on or a Wu-Tang shirt or an outcast shirt or any sort of type of product that notes my blackness, a head wrap, Unfortunately, Daryl George will continue to to face this rampant anti-blackness, this this discrimination. And of course, there are other kids that are dealing with it as well. Daryl George is the just the one of the ones at this point in time that the news story, uh, the news is is talking about that people are talking about. I've known about it for a little bit, but for whatever reason, I was hopeful that with the crown act that passed and uh, that was signed in September uh, by the governor that it would just be an easy, you know, you're discriminating, but that's not what it was. And I have my own frustrations with the law, the legislation of the crown act itself, because what person chose to write two inches into that bill or into that legislation 
knowing that two inches is so minute when it comes to black hair. That doesn't even take care of the shrink, like the shrinkage that we have, um, you know, in our hair. You know what I mean? So it 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 bothers me. This bothers me. This bugs me. The kid just wants to go to school. Watching the interviews on CNN and seeing him, he's frustrated. He don't want to be dealing with this. He just wants to go to school. He just wants to wear his hair, how it grows out of his head. Which is not like a white person because he's a black person. Hopefully the next step is federal intervention. We need federal intervention, but who knows what will happen with that. I have no faith in that process either because we still don't have an anti-lynching bill within the United States in 2024. It is still legally permissible and okay to to do that, right? We still don't have a rule that talks or a law that acknowledges one of the most heinous acts in the history of the United States that happened after the enslavement of African people in the U.S., and so I'll continue to marinate on this, update the story as it as it continues to uh, progress. Again, this is Race Talk, School Talk, a podcast with Dr. Chadger James Galloway. Peace.